Wow, you are listening to the Chronic Sisters podcast yet again. We have fluffed up the intro. You are listening to your host, Sean, and your other host, Jess, who did have her shit together last take and Sean didn't and then we lost it. We so lost we've it. had to re-record and I fucked it. So, <laughs> so welcome back to episode six of the Chronic Sisters. Thank you again for all the support. Uh, mm. But look, <laughs> truth, um, we don't know how it's gone. <laughs> we don't know how the episode about relationship and dating went because we're doing this the day after we released episode five because old mate Jess is on a holly bobs. So uh, we didn't want to disappoint you and not have an episode. So we've preempted the recording and uh, we're doing it now. And when this comes out, I'm going to be sunbaking in Karajini. So oh. I hope you all enjoy the sweet sound of you. my voice. Future you is having a good time. Jess is living her best life. Her best life, just in the sun. So, yeah, we we have no idea how episode five went. Relationships you and dating. It. Yeah, it was, a, it was juicy. It was... Yeah. I, I I liked it. I, I thought it was I all right. I thought it was all right. We uh, apologize for oh, yeah. oh, technical difficulties. We apologize for the sound quality if you listened within the first 12 hours of it being live. Um, Honestly. I, I don't really understand what happened. It was my bad. I changed the volume of the wave tone on the um, software and uh, look, you could tell. I could tell instantly. And it was the one time I didn't listen to it before we published it. And like 10 of my best mates listen to it and they're like fucking love this episode so good you girls are so brave amazing and they're like my best mates none yeah. of them said it sounded shit so maybe we'll just really harsh on ourselves. but it did sound like no, a it was definitely 2003 tv vibe yeah it was like old old person radio yeah like a little bit too high 6pr yeah, yeah yeah 6pr yeah, yeah, yeah. old that person vibe. radio okay yep. So we are back this week and I am just currently just picture me sunbaking somewhere nice. Mm. But this week we thought what would be a nice flow from having done body image to relationships and dating? What would be a nice flow on from that? And we thought family planning. Yeah. And a lot of people actually messaged us on Instagram when we asked for topics and a lot of you guys wanted us to cover this topic. Yep. So we're going to we do it for you. But first... Your part of the show that you all look forward to the most. <laughs> the fun fact follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> Jazzy. <laughs> Honestly, that's just becoming too much each time. It's getting worse and worse. Anyway, so uh, fun fact follow-up. You guessed it. I'm present in this as usual. Um, my sister, again, followed me up on one of my quotes that I gave last time around the miscongeniality, what is your perfect date? And uh, she sent me an audio message um, of her reciting the quote properly, but I'm just going to read the quote off of um, a very credible website. Uh, it's called eonline.com. So coming straight for the facts. Righto. Um, Heather Burns is the character and she declared that tw April the 25th is the perfect date because it's not too hot, not too cold. Um, all you need is a light jacket. That was the quote. Thank you again, Fion. Thank you, Fion, for pulling me up again on the quotes. Appreciate you as always. And this week I'm also in the fun fact follow up. Yeah. Um, I am. Um, I've got some follow ups. I'm sorry. Okay. So number one. Mm. Everyone was loving my quote from this 
episode. Like, it was a good quote. Yeah, it was lovely. And people were like, oh, Jess, like, could you post that on Instagram? Like, I, w- I want to save it. Like, I, I really like that quote. And I tried my very hardest to find who wrote that quote. Yeah, because we're all about giving credit where credit's yeah, due. Yeah, and I was Googling the fuck out of it. Yeah. I went through all my saved Instagram posts. I Googled it. I have saved quotes on my Instagram like files. I went through all of that. I could not find it anywhere. So some amazing anonymous human wrote it or maybe me when I was just deep in my turmoil. <laughs> I don't even know where it came from. It was just scratchy written in my just journal. Just pulled out your ass. So I'm not sure, but so I can't really follow it up. But no. my back follow up. So I did try it and I'm very sorry. Um, the other one I'd like to let you all know, we're week three now. Yep. And Sean has finally, today, done her homework. You're welcome. She has put her affirmations on her desk and she sent me, because it's day one of annual leave for me. Um, she sent me photos of proof, so Mm -hmm. we can throw them on the story. Yep. For you all to see. And another fun fact follow up, we were talking about dating and relationships last week and my lack of... And one of my colleagues at work said to me, Jess, I know what you are. And I was like, oh, God, what am I? Enlighten me. And she was like, oh, you're heterodemisexual. What is that wizardry? Yeah, I was like, sounds spicy as fuck, but what does that mean? So demisexual is what she gave me originally, the title sure. of a demisexual. And demisexual means that you need to have an emotional connection with someone before you can be intimate with someone. Okay. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm a demisexual. That's a vibe. And then, sorry, I fucking, I need to unbutton my jeans. They're so tight. I don't know why you're wearing jeans. Oh, because everything's packed for camping. Oh, yeah. I just need to, sorry, bust a button. Oh, so much better. Um, And then the hetero is because I told you last week, I just can't really wrap my head around another punani. So Mm. I've got the hetero in front of the demisexual. Specific. Specific. And my last fun fact follow-up. <laughs> For someone that doesn't do a fun fact follow-up, you are taking up a lot of this little chunk. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, last one. I was packing for camping for my holiday and cleaning out the podcast room and cleaning everything, going through cupboards and shit and looking for winter attire. That's not really cute. Like com- comfortable winter attire. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that's in the spare wardrobe because Naturally. I don't really need it unless I'm camping. Mm-hmm. So I was going through all of the above and I found more of my ex's shit. Oh, we love that. A <laughs> couple of years later and this this time we found resumes, portfolios, high school certificates and trade TAFE certificates. So, I mean, if you're listening, sweetie, I think that you should come and collect them. <laughs> probably need them those. Because if you're going to do to her what you did to me, you should pre-plan that yeah. and get those things so you don't have to work together. That would be awkward. Um, so they're <laughs> at my house if you want them, doll. Um, but yeah. She's not here for the next two weeks. She's going on holiday. So <laughs> the house sitter. Just ring me. <laughs> ring Shard. She'll let you in. Shoot <laughs> the, uh, the podcast a text message on Instagram. We'll sort it out. We'll do a Dropbox. It's all good. <laughs> It's fine. Fucking hell. Such fun. Oh, it's still haunting me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this week we are talking about family planning. Family planning. So, I mean, I don't even really know where to begin with this. It's such a huge topic. It is a big topic and it may be one that we cover now and then we'll follow up a little bit later. Who knows? We'll we'll see how we flow. But so family planning, like Jess has said, a couple of you, um, well, quite a few of you actually, more than a couple, um, messaged us to say that they would like us to talk about it. And look, we're here for the people and uh, this is what we're doing here. <laughs> so I guess for me, um, family planning 
used to be quite a difficult topic. So for anyone with a chronic illness, um, hang on a second. You're going to sneeze. I think she's brewing oh, something. I'm brewing I'm some gonna kind of... I'm going to say it's If yeah. that fucking bitch gives it to me before I go away. <laughs> it's a leaving I present. Sorry, I just it. had to clear my nose. Um, no, so for anyone with a chronic illness and um, you're in a long-term relationship or even just by yourself and you're wanting to start thinking about having children, you know, there is, it's a lot more than just wanting a child. There's a lot more layers that you have to delve through and kind of work on and kind of figure out where you stand before you even start comprehending the idea of having a child. So for me with Marfan syndrome, it's a genetic disorder, right? So basically what that means is any child that I have, there's a 50-50 chance of them having it because Marfan syndrome, the gene that it affects is a dominant gene. So it means that regardless of whether or not my partner has Marfan syndrome, the dominant gene beats any other recessive gene. So if you think back to when you're in high school, you have the little square grid, you have dominant, 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 recessive, 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 dominant, dominant wins, right? Cause it's dominant. Cause it's dominant. <laughs> it's alpha. It's an alpha gene. And, uh, that means it's a 50, 50 chance that the child will have Marfan syndrome and with Marfan syndrome as well, it's a gradient. So you could have Marfan's worse than I do, less than I do, the same amount, the same amount, but with different um, elements that's affected. So there's a wide range of unknowns past that 50-50%. So look, 50-50s, you know, flip a coin, which what does it land on? How do you pick? So that for me is the genetic element. And then to actually have a child it then puts on a further stress on my body that potentially I won't be able to handle. So it's a lot to to think about and to process. And you have to kind of start thinking about it at quite a young age. Yeah, Sean and I were literally just saying like, remember when you were 15 and you were like, fuck, by the time I'm 27, I'm going to be married with kids. And yep. then like, I so thought that that's where I would be. And even if you asked me two years ago, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. 27, I'll have yep. kids for sure. And then you find yourself one, not being in a relationship and being single. So that mm. changes things, but then your chronic illness actually affects you so much more than you ever realized when yep. you're a teenager going, oh yeah, this is my life. This is the chapter that I've planned this this is where I'm headed yeah and then you have to stop and take into consideration everything else like I was saying to Sean the actual statistics of infertility and endometriosis is 50 percent that's a lot so a bit like my fans yeah flip a coin yeah like that we're working with really really big numbers here and so the thought of having a child isn't just an easy thing for either of us no it's a really really big thing and it's it's hard. Like all a lot of our friends are having babies at the yeah. moment. Yep. It's so many. I'd say more than fifty percent of yeah. my friends are bloody having babies at the moment. And I love being the fun auntie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's hard, and it, it's hard. I don't know. I often put myself in that position, and I think, will I ever have kids? I don't. I don't know. And it's it's a it's a huge thing. And it, like Sean said, you have to start thinking about it really early. Mm. And mm-hmm. Like I said to Sean, I was like, I think I'm going to freeze my eggs next year. But Sean and I hadn't really spoken to each other about where we were both at 
at the moment. No, yeah. With family planning. Yeah. We actually so, hadn't talked about it. Yeah, no. Um, well, I think it's because uh, you don't really chat about it because it is such an emotional, emotionally triggered topic, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's very personal. And- yeah, and like, you know, it's, it's people's choice and, um, you know, a lot at work, for example, um, I got to the point that people would ask me, oh, do you have kids? And I'm like, oh, no not for me. Oh, why? And then there just, there has to be this thing in society that people like need to know why you don't have kids. Mm. And you're like, you don't understand what that conversation actually brings up in people. Mm. So it got to the point where I was like, why should I have to then feel uncomfortable to be like, oh, um, don't really want, like, don't ask me that question. Mm. If Mm. I say no, that should be enough. Mm. It shouldn't mean for you to probe further and ask me when am I thinking of having children or why don't I have children or a lot of patients' families even ask yeah. too when you're on the floor because you're obviously looking after their children and we do yeah. a really good job of it. So people say, "Oh, do you have kids?" Yeah. No. Oh, did did your partner want kids? No, I don't know what I'm either. Yeah. Like it's so triggering and it's like, you know what? Why the fuck are you even asking? I'm doing a bloody good job of looking after your child and that's all that matters. And why does that discredit me? Yeah. If I don't have children or do have children even. Like who cares? I'm good at my job. That should be enough. Yeah. Like I, I understand this is obviously we're coming in from an emotional angle. I understand just general conversation and making, you know, small talk. I get that. However... You need to pick your topics a bit safer, much like we don't talk about money, politics or religion at the Christmas dinner table. (laughs) Similarly, don't ask a young woman who's working with you for your family when they're having children. Yeah. Because it's none of your goddamn business. Yeah. Basically. It might not happen. Exactly. But we're going to tell you for free. So... (laughs) Thanks so for not tune asking. Because so, uh, we put all our trauma into <laughs> one hour a week. You're so lucky. Um, so with Marfan syndrome, um, the risk of pregnancy is known pretty early on. So the main thing that um, is at risk during pregnancy with Marfan syndrome is the involvement of the heart. So when you're pregnant and you don't have any chronic illness or anything extra, your blood volume increases exponentially during the pregnancy because you're feeding both yourself and you're also oxygenating your baby, right? So the blood volume increases from anywhere from 20% up to 100% and it averages out about 45%. So that's nearly 50% extra blood volume running around your body under pressure from your heart, which is going through blood vessels and arteries that are already under strain with your original blood volume so you're then increasing it so you're increasing the volume going through them at a rate so it's stretching everything else so it puts everything at a high risk of tear um and um the aorta mainly if i hadn't have had my aortic root um removed i would have been an exceptionally high risk because my aorta was five centimeters um In diameter saggy like a condom <laughs> yeah scratch episode, back to episode one, one. <laughs> so for me the idea of having a baby was told to me at a very young age about when you when you socially start to become more sexually aware around like the 15 16 year old time it was told to me very clearly do not get pregnant by accident 
it put the fear of God into me about getting pregnant. I was so paranoid by that. It almost froze me in that little don't do anything to risk it because it was just you cannot under any circumstance get pregnant by accident because you could die. The medication that you're on could kill the fetus and you could die again, both during, post, pre-labor, the whole thing, just death written all over it. And it, you know, for something that brings life into it, quite deathly, you know? I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a weird imagery. Um, so, so from a young age, I was terrified of getting pregnant and I still am to this day. And, you know, you go on contraceptives and all that jazz. So when I was younger, when you get your period, period talk, boys, block your ears. So when you have your period, you're obviously like, I'm in the free zone. I am not pregnant. For, and for someone who doesn't want to get pregnant, that's a great sign. <laughs> you're like, yes, made it through another month. But when I got put onto my contraceptive, so I got put onto the marina, which is the um, coil which sits in your uterus. The second time round, when they swap it after five years, um, it can reduce your period rate, right? So I now don't get my period sometimes. And that would be great if that wasn't like the green light for me to be like, you're safe, mate. So now I have to now like fully trust the IUD. Is it IUD? Yes, an IUD. That's 99.9% good at its job. <laughs> that I'm not the 0.01% that's now pregnant. And then when you've got a chronic illness and you're working on the off facts all the time, you're like, oh. I am going to be that 0.01. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you've convinced yourself yep. that you am. I'm like, yep. that you am. That you are. That, that, that I am, <laughs> yep. So I'm, I'm waiting for like, am I going to get sick? And then I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, I do feel I feel sick? sick? <laughs> do I feel sick now? Or do I feel sick now because I think I should feel sick now? Do you know what I mean? Like you get into this massive yeah, spiral. Yeah. And then I have to then go and go through the trauma of like peeing on a pregnancy stick when I should be quite comfortably aware that it's 99.9% .9 not going to be pregnant. <laughs> but at that 0.01%, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so oh my scared. God. So the, when I get my period, which is like mind-boggling to me i'm like so happy but then i'm also quite sad at the same time because hormonal too quite hormonal warfarin so bleed for ages when i do bleed because it doesn't clot thank you warfarin so it's like this double-edged sort of like i do want it but i don't want it but then i'm like oh i need to know whether or not i'm pregnant it's just a really big like being a girl is hard oh it's a big lady bits are hard so yeah. hard so uh, look <laughs> All I'm trying to say is I'm scared of getting pregnant and it hasn't changed since I was like 15. So I'm a very good, very good girl in that I'm like, no pregnancy. That's good. No I'm proud pregnancy. of you. I can't say I've ever had a pregnancy scare, but again, endo hormones, I don't ever have my period. I just take the pill all the time. Mm. And sometimes I have a breakthrough bleed, which is highly inconvenient. But I've never actually had a, a scare. But Should hey, I'm working on 50-50 of being completely yeah. infertile anyway. And my left side's completely fucked. So I'm more like 2575. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so there oh, you go. The statistics are not great. Speaking of, this is a little slightly off topic, but it's period talk. Um, <laughs> we'll change the name of the podcast. Because 
Sham was like, you have to drop this story. Oh my gosh, yes, I love this story. You have to drop the story. You're all welcome for this. I didn't think it was that good, but Shard thought it was that great. But it really just highlights once again how great Papa has is. I think think it's a big hats off to Papa has. So we're talking about, Sham and I were talking about when we first got our period. And like most... Most girls, I don't know, I feel like girls, especially my patients and stuff, and girls are getting younger and younger and yeah, younger. Yeah. And because there's hormones in the chicken. Yeah, that's it. Hey. Um, <laughs> and so I, I like just didn't get it for so long to the point where I was like, Mum, I think we've got to go to a GP because I ain't sure what's going on down there, but I don't think it's normal. Ooh. And so I think, I, oh, God, I was so old. I was so old. I was end of year 11. Going into your 12. Mm, so like, like 17. Yeah, 16, 17. I, yeah. I was pretty old. Anyway, I can remember it was a Monday night. Um, <laughs> and I only remember that because it, mum works a late shift on a Monday. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I had got home from work and mum was like, you know, she just left. I didn't get home from work. What the fuck? I did not go to work. Yeah, I was at school. Mum was on the way home from work. Yeah. And I was at home doing homework and I had just got my period. Dun, dun, dun. Like, I, I was more like, oh, thank fuck. Yeah. Like, Jesus. And then I was like, do I tell dad? Do I tell dad? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I tell dad. Yeah. I was like, oi, dad, like, I think I just got my period. And he was like, oh, I know what to do. I know what to do. <laughs> I've trained for this. I've, I'm, I know what to do. There's a drawer. There's a drawer in me and your mum's bathroom. There's a drawer. And um, now I'm all over it. And I'll get you a bottom bottom. A bottom bottom. <laughs> now, that has what they have been called my whole childhood. Tampons, pads, any sanitary product is a bottom bottom, bottom. in my household. I actually, I need to ask my brother if he calls his girlfriends tampons and pads bottom bottoms. I'm bottom going to ask him that tonight. Okay. I'll get back to you all next week. Fun, <laughs> fun, fun follow up. I will. Sean and I are seeing him after this, yep. so we will ask him. We'll ask him. Anyway, so bottom bottoms. So dad came out with some bottom, bottom bottoms, and then it was really weird. Mum got home from work. Mum was well excited, yeah. and then mum was like, "Should we have a champers? Pop and the champagne." It, it was just a very strange getting your first period story. Like, yeah, having a champagne with your parents and your dad's whipping out bottom bottoms. Anyway, this story has paid off because my recent glange death. Mm. While I, bef- I had to move back into my parents' house because I couldn't do anything with She's the glange. Very, very sick. Very sick. But dad came to pick me up mm. from my house to take me back to his house with me and my dog. And dad said, I'll come over, come get you, and I'll go to the chemist. Do you need anything? And I was like, no, I don't think so. Like, I think I've got everything next minute, huge, because my body was run down. Everything was just fucked. Yep. I had a huge breakthrough endo bleed. <clears throat> and I was like, well, actually, dad, I need some bottom bottoms. And he was like, it's just so funny. Like, the conversation I had with my dad, like, what the fuck? And he was like, no wings, but hey, you hate the wings. I'm like, that's right, Dad. Yes, Dad. I fucking hate wings. No wings. Just a, and he was like, you just like the thick, thick, thick liners, thick bottom bottoms. No wings. And so you know what? He has a really amazing relationship yeah. when your dad knows exactly Look, what you need and when you need it. Good job, Hazza. Thanks, Dad. Good anyway, job, Hazza. Very random, but I mean, kind of on topic because for, sure. for me and carrying babies and this is what we're talking about. Mm. Um, with my endo, you know, my mum was so cute. I remember she said to me like, "This was probably mm, four, five years ago." Mum actually said to me, "She has whopping fibroids in her uterus that she needs removed, but." She cares too much for other people and doesn't 
do the self-care. She's like, I don't have time to stop and recover from that. Wait, is your mum a nurse? Oh, maybe. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes. <laughs> anyway, these things are like the size of an AFL footy in her oh uterus and she God. hasn't got rid of them. And she's got multiple. Anyway, she was really cute. And I remember one, I don't even know if she'll remember saying this, um, but that'll be a fun fact follow up. Um, but she said once, I'll never forget it. She's offered her uterus to me. Because oh. I said, you need to get those fibroids removed, mum. Like, mm. they're causing you so much pain. You Get a hysterectomy. Mm. And she said, no, because my mum, like, was one of those weird women that just didn't go through menopause for a very long time. Like, couldn't, oh. was she went to the GP and they were like, you're incredibly fertile. And she was, was like, in make 50s, it stop. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so they were like, you're very fertile. You could still carry a baby. So she was like, well, if yours doesn't work, I'll offer to be... Aww. Your oven. That's so lovely. It was so lovely. So nice. So nice. Anyway, I don't, I'm sure she'll remember saying that. Um, but yeah, that was really sweet. That was really sweet. It was really nice. So yeah, good supportive parents. Very supportive is the moral of the story. Yeah, that's it. Well, I actually don't want children of my own. So I have weighed up the pros and cons because you know I like to do that. And uh, Mathematical equation. Mathematical always. equation, always. Pros and cons, pros and cons. And look... I don't think it's for me. I think working at a children's hospital, number one, is enough contraceptive to uh, avoid having children um, that I ever know. Like I, uh, we work with very sick children and the idea that you could have a healthy one is bizarre to me. Yeah. And like- <laughs> we, we forget that we see the minority. Yes. But like, you know, so many of my friends when they're pregnant, they're like, oh, should I have testing? Should I do genetic testing? Like the Harmony test is a really common test that most yeah. people will do. I can't remember the cost. I've never had it done, let's be honest. But a few hundred dollars. Yeah. And it's Isn't just a, that to tell it's if it's a girl a and blood, a boy as well? That It does come up on there, yeah. Oh, and yeah, it's cool. a blood test, but it does common chromosomal abnormalities. So right. like T21 and things like that, sure. which is Down syndrome for the listeners. Yeah. Um. So cystic fibrosis, those kind of things. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Um. But like Sean said, when you work with the super, super minority, we see new mitochondrial, neurological, undiagnosed cardiac. We see different diagnoses happen every day. And some of these ones aren't even typed yet. And so... The thought of having a baby is so scary because yep. these you can have perfectly normal scans, you can have a perfectly normal baby, and then mm. they neurodevelopmentally regress and die. It's it's yeah. horrendous, and so it's our view as women in our twenties mm. is very different to all the cute babies you see at coffee dates with yeah. your friends. Yeah, like yeah, we 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 do have it's a, a very warped. warped, distorted yeah. perspective of what family planning looks like yeah but also with the genetic testing like i've got like a gripe about that like well not a gripe but it's more of like a philosophical debate i guess but like say for example let's do a hypothetical here i want to have a child so me right now as i am right here right now i want to have a child and I want to get genetic testing. So I become pregnant and I get genetic testing, let's say, what is it, six to eight weeks in that you can get it? Ten. Ten weeks. So I'm ten weeks pregnant. So I have the test done and it comes up that the child that I am bearing is uh, positive for Marfan syndrome. 
What do I do with that information? Do I choose to ignore it and carry on the pregnancy knowing that the child is going to be born with the same genetic condition that I have, possibly worse than I have, possibly less, but still going to have some element of my life that I've lived that I've struggled with. And by no way am I saying that my life is inadequate or that it's not valuable because I am a successful woman. I have great friends, great family. I have a job. I have a house. I'm a functioning person of society. I'm just saying it wasn't easy getting to where I am. It could have been easier if I didn't have all the things wrong with me. But then am I saying that I would then get rid of that baby because they potentially have the genetic disorder that I have. So then does that invalidate me as a person? So it's a really difficult space to navigate because there's so many arguments pro and against of that whole debate of what do you do with that information once you get it? Do you, so then do you just not get it and then hope that your 50-50 works out that you don't have a child with a genetic condition? And for me, I don't know how I would feel knowingly giving my child the same trajectory that I had growing up because I didn't have an easy childhood. Like as, as wonderful as my family were, are, and as wonderful as my life was, it was difficult. And there were times where I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be born. And that feeling of not feeling welcomed in the world is awful and I don't want to give that to someone so for me now that I'm in a very loving and stable relationship obviously that topic of having children came up right so for me now I find value and love from things around me and I don't feel the need to have a child of my own to feel validated and to feel love because I am putting love into other people and receiving it back. And for me, a huge fear of mine growing up was when I was like, I must have a child, I must have a child, regardless of the the risk that it put to me, to the baby, the whole process, I must have a child because I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to feel alone. And because I've looked after people when I was studying who have died by themselves old unwell and had no family next to them when they had their final breaths right but they actually did have family they just weren't there they weren't present I've seen that so much and I worked in palliative care in adults Mm. before nurse life pediatrics and it, it was really sad and so many people who did have family they weren't present but like one special friend was or one neighbor was or and they did find love in other areas because the people that you know were blood related yeah yeah just because you're blood related to someone doesn't mean that they're either good for you or that the love is going to be reciprocated or that you love them yeah it's you get out what you put in. So if you put love into the world, you'll receive it back. And just because you have a blood relation, it doesn't necessarily mean that automatically equals love and affection and that they'll be there for you. So for me, that part, once I reviewed that in my own brain, I released the pressure that I had been putting on myself to want a child against all of the odds that were against me. 
And for me, I take solace now in the idea that I'm a part of the village that raises the children. It doesn't necessarily have to be my own. A lot of my close friends have had children and I am an active part of their lives as a resource for the parents, as a distraction for the child to give mum a break, to give dad a break. You know, that's my role and I'm happy for that to be my role. But that click in my brain of being like, it's okay to not have a child was like just the cloud lifted because there was under so much pressure of like, I need to figure out how to do this. But the minute I accepted it and was like, do you know what, Sharon? Your life's gonna be great regardless of whether or not you have a child. It's okay. It was huge. Like it was huge for me. And I think it's also so wonderful that you have such a supportive partner who also carries similar beliefs and thoughts. And And that's the thing, again, with the conversation from the last episode, we have had this conversation many times and uh, to a very deep level. And we both agree on the process that we've taken and the stance that we've taken. And, you know, that's not to say that people that do have children are wrong. Like, that's not what we're saying Mm. at all. It's just not for us. Yeah, it's just not for me. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a personal choice. It's like anything. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting to this topic because Sean and I have very strong beliefs, but our beliefs are quite different, mm. which is really nice, I think, to hear two sides of a story because nothing is right and nothing is wrong mm. and everyone's allowed to do what they feel is right for them. And like I said, if you asked me a few years ago at 27, I was going to have had kids or definitely be actively trying by now. Mm. Um, and obviously that is not the position I'm in, but I have done quite a bit of research in my own time. I haven't spoken to anyone about this. I haven't spoken to any of my friends or my family about this. Um, mum made a comment probably two weeks ago about saying, if you want to do this alone, like, uh, we can do it together. Mm. So mum was like, I drop my hours and we would always make this work. And it's not something I feel like I want this year Mm -hmm. or probably not even next year, but it's something I'm definitely thinking about. So this year did scare me, my health and future potential to carry children. That, that was quite, it was a topic I couldn't hide anymore, hide from. I, I, I had to really think about it. And so I have been looking into egg freezing, but fuck, it's an expensive journey. I was telling Sean about it today. So obviously there's lots of costs related for anyone who's listening that thinks that this might be for them down the track. There are costs associated with medications and injections and hormones, and they are tailored to the person to, everyone's got different hormone levels and everyone's trying to achieve something different in terms of follicle growth and things like that. So everyone's medication cost is going to be different, Mm. but then you have the egg retrieval process and you have the anesthetic cost and the hospital stay cost and Mm -hmm. the tests and everything. And and a a two week period of, you know, up to multiple daily injections and then storing them and that process is looks up to around about ten thousand dollars so it's not cheap it's not cheap it's not cheap you gotta make an active decision on that one yeah and so i have been saving money in another account for that if that is something i want to do which i think it is and i'll probably 
probably look into it. I'm going to say maybe this time next year I'll start to think more actively about it. Yeah. Um, but for now I was like, well, I can just save some money and put it aside. And if that's something that I want next year, I, I at least have the option. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's ongoing costs like to store them. To keep those little fuckers, their rent My is God. expensive. So, you know, <laughs> Ice rent. it's up to like the cheapest is about $1,000 a year up to like $2,500 a year, for but, ice. which is like $45 a week, which is like more than a coffee every day. So it's pretty <laughs> expensive. And mm. you know what? Medicare doesn't cover any storage of your eggs whether or not you have a medical condition or not the actual storage cost you get nothing back so it is a really big commitment yeah and then you have to decide if you know if I was to find a lovely man in the wild dropped in my front door (laughs) thank you very much cosmos and if everything worked in my favor and I didn't need to use those eggs Mm. you then have the ethical battle of what do you do with them Mm. What do, do you do you with them? Donate them? Do you destroy them? What do you do? And that has been where I have kind of been thinking over and over, what would yeah. I do? Yeah. Because I don't know, I don't think I could live with my DNA being out there. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. And not knowing yeah. about it. I don't know. I feel like I am quite maternal and I think I would struggle with that. Mm. But then I would also struggle to destroy them knowing there might be a woman out there who's having a rough go like yeah, I was. Sure. So that's pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, but I've never thought about that side of the... Yeah. 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 And, and it's, I don't know, it's pretty big. It's pretty, it's scary. And for me and with my endo, this is pretty much what most women with severe endo are told. Mm. You have a DNC, which... For the listeners, we're going back to our weeding situasi. So you either have your weeds burnt or you have your weeds dug out Mm. and then you recover from that. And then your gynecologist will tell you to try naturally for six months Mm -hmm. and then you go back and then you look into the IVF trail. Wow. So you're given six months. Six months to try. Yeah. Try naturally with nothing. And this, you may not know the answer to this question. Is a DNC the same as what you have when you have a clinical abortion? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously they're not... There's rem- not a um, removal not of the fetus. They're not removing all yeah. the webbing and stuff. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. it's the same process. Same process. Okay, yeah. Same, um, like a, a lot of the incision sites are the same. Obviously sure. it depends how far along you are if you were to have an abortion. Yeah. Um, or a termination of a stillborn, like, you know, yeah, stillbirth. Sure. Um, yeah, but it's a similar principle, similar yep. recovery. Um, but if you had the complications like I did, maybe a bit longer. Yeah. Um, still going. Still going, <laughs> yeah. But so I don't know. It's it's big and it's scary and it's so much responsibility yeah. to carry as a woman. It's it's so much to carry and so much to constantly think about. Oh, it's like, a constant reminder as well, it isn't is. it? It is. And like I said to Sean, so even today, to, like today I was thinking about it. I didn't want to, but, you know, I'm going away and I needed all my scripts for my endo, for my hormones and for pain, et cetera. Mm. And then my GP wasn't available 
went to another one. But then you have to fucking explain the whole thing again. Yeah. Like, yep. She's like, oh, God, you must have endometriosis if you're on this. And I was like, yep. And then she was like, oh, what what hormones were you on? I said, oh, I was on this one. But then COVID hit and then I had to change. So then you had to put your body through all of that. The hormonal change. Hormones and then... Then it came back and then it disappeared. Well, it's back, guys. So it's very exciting for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you do have to think about it all the fucking time. And, you know, Shan and I spoke about it last week in saying that dating and relationships are hard mm. and opening up is hard yeah. and being vulnerable is hard. Yep. But that's not even talking about this topic. Yeah. I mean, for some people, that's like a deal breaker. Hey, like, yeah. and, like not even beating around the bush like that's a deal breaker for some people and I I think I would really struggle if I dated someone who really didn't want children I think I would really struggle with that because I think that I, I've had enough time on my own now to know that I really do want that mm-hmm. and another couple of things I was talking to Sean about that I've weighed up and I definitely spoke about with my um, long-term ex is uh, we wanted to adopt mm. and that was something that was really important to us and we'd kind of like you know, you joke about it, and you, but we did, we s- joked about it often because we wanted to both adopt and have our own children. Mm-hmm. But adoption in Australia is so difficult. Yeah. It's so difficult. And then the other option was fostering. And I see so many beautiful foster parents. Oh, like so amazing. So many of these incredibly life-limited children just healthy children I just see so many amazing families and I just I look at them and go fuck there's some amazing people out there you know full care children Mm. like they're they're just selfless and wonderful yeah and I would love to think that I could do that and I get angry at myself because I don't think that I could because I'd get too attached yeah my attachment I I couldn't foster for a short period of time I, I know I couldn't do it but then I get angry at myself because I'm like, well, a really complex, sick child with multiple medical needs would benefit from my care yeah. because I could do it all with my eyes closed. Yeah. But I just don't emotionally, I just don't think I could do it. And, mm. I, you know, I was a support worker and a care and I did that and I fucking loved it. Yeah. Like my favorite job ever, hands yeah. down. But if they were living with me 24 seven, I'd get too attached. Yeah. And so... For me, adoption was the path I wanted to go down and it's still something I'd absolutely love to go down. Yeah. But it's not easy. And it's not, it's easy. not easy if you're single. Yeah, you're it's not pretty e- much written off. It's not easy if you're single. It's also not easy if you're too old. There's like this perfect window of adopting Yeah. that's like in a long-term relationship between 25 and 35. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the window of opportunity. Yeah. But the process takes about seven years. Yeah, exactly. So... I really, I need to start it now. You need to submit now and then just hope mm-hmm. for the best Yep. later on. But it's a lot. It is a lot. And then to, to put it then back into society, you've got your chronic illness banging in the door to remind you that you're not 100% uh, up to scratch as everyone else. And then you've got the societal pressures of, you know, um, the expectation of you have a job, you find a partner, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, like the societal pressure that was from the 1920s when we were in the Great Depression and needed people to go to war. We don't need that anymore. 
Like yeah. we don't need that same pressure. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Like what? What's the What's the give? Why yeah. are we doing it? And also, like all of those things, like I spoke about on you know last week as well. Like I've done all of those things for myself. Like I've yeah. got myself the dog and the house and the career without anyone. So it's only been this year that I've actually been able to go. Yeah, I want to freeze my eggs. And I want to do this for me because. Up until then, I always saw having a child as a family, myself and a partner. And that was the only way I was ever going to have children. I was never, ever, ever going to do it alone. It was never even in my thought process. It was just an automatic no. But now that I've proved to myself that I can do everything else, Hmm. I'm like, God, I have a supportive family. I have supportive friends. I have Sean. I'm a village. She's the village, man. Um, And so I... Now it's something I'm like, you know what? I could do this if I wanted to. So I just want to give myself the opportunity for it and not let it slip. But it's an expensive opportunity to give yourself. Yeah. And you're not even guaranteeing yourself a family. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's expensive. Expensive maybe. Yeah. It is. It's a very expensive maybe actually, isn't it? I know. And then this podcast needs to get successful so it can pay for it. Well, (laughs) we're earning zero dollars at the moment, sister. Whoa! I know. (laughs) What? Big, big spenders, big spender. just hemorrhaging money, buying yeah. equipment and uh, just not getting anything in. We love our jobs, though. So that's when we're, we're still paying the bills. It's OK, guys. We're going to be here for a few more weeks. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but truthfully, though, I want to thank you first for sharing that, because I never thought of the psychological debate that even. But would... that's like when you were talking about it today, about genetic testing, if you were to have it done. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, there are a few like, genetic tests I would like to have done because I have seen the quality of life of children living with those illnesses and yeah. I would not like my child to live with that. Yeah. So I'd like to genetic test. But then some of them, I'd oh, be like, okay. oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. That's a challenge. No worries. Yeah. No worries for you. Yeah. True. Do you know what I mean? Like that's where it, that's yeah. where it gets me. Is oh, I don't know. Besides, my mum always told me, don't have children, they ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, mum. <laughs> love you. Love you, love you. Oh, my God. Well, it changes your life. It does. The life you had before children is gone. Yeah. I think I've kind of missed a bit too that some listeners without endo might not know because Sean kind of explained a bit about Marfans. But um, I just dropped the fact that f- women with endo 50% have a 50% chance of being infertile. But people don't think understand why. Oh, yeah. Good point. That yeah. is. People are just like, oh, yeah, yeah. 50%. Yeah, cool. Drop How? Why? Yeah. So it's because it's for multiple reasons. But we some people have like a distorted anatomy of the pelvis. But then because, you know, I explained the weeding situasi, every time you, you weed, you, you get scar tissue. So every time you dig the weeds out you get scar tissue and adhesions there and like I said I have them on my bowel I have them on my bladder I have them everywhere and the more adhesions and scar tissue that you build up and the more inflammation that is there for endo sufferers all of the time it really reduces your risk of implantation Mm -hmm. so falling pregnant naturally and being being able to implant an embryo is quite difficult when there's not much healthy tissue for mm-hmm. it to stick to. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was also because you're pumping yourself with hormones, mm. I'm I'm pumping myself with hormones to reduce ovulation. So you actually reduce the quality of your eggs right. as well. Right, okay. So it's a combination of like reduced egg quality, poor hormone imbalance, yeah. 
if you have endo, you need a lot of progesterone. Right. And not much estrogen, if not at all. Which because is too much estrogen in stimulates like, ovulation. Stimulates yeah, sure. And, you know, and estrogen's... You, everyone hears estrogen, testosterone. Estrogen is the biggest female hormone and you're yeah. trying to like reduce minimize it, and yeah. reduce that. Less for that. So that that is why, guys. Right. There you go. That probably makes more sense now. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. That's oh, a lesson that I've learned. Thank there you, sister. No worries. Appreciate that. Appreciate well, you. And then with, with endo as well, because obviously I don't have endometriosis. I just know quite a fair few ladies um, who are in my circle that do. A lot of them also have... Um, polycystic ovary syndrome to go on top of it which again would impede on egg quality egg release yeah, um, and then you get cysts and cysts yep. on your ovaries and yep. sometimes cysts can be mistaken as follicles but they're not healthy follicles they're cysts and yeah yeah it's just a lot of pain it is but not good um myth or truth mm. um does having a baby cure endometriosis <laughs> no <laughs> they're like okay this is my bad i don't know if i told you guys this i might have told you guys this in episode one or two but the my first surgeon that i ever went to and didn't go back to she was the one that was like i was 18 and she was like so you need to have kids by 25 and really you just need to get pregnant now and that'll fix all your problems mm, cool. Cool, cool, cool so lots of people have done lots of research into it i can't spit all the hot facts at you Mm. but pretty much when you're pregnant like you don't have a period for nine months so you kind of have nine months of relief in that sense right you fucking have the baby it all starts again and then like the pressure onto breasts because some women have more luck than others but if you breastfeed your period often comes back later right because of your hormones and your secretions you often breastfeeding mums can go multiple months without getting a period. So then the pressure's Uh, on to breastfeed your baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep those fucking hormones down. Don't get a period, don't get a period, don't get a period. And so then, yeah, then you put that kind of fucked off pressure on yourself. Because if you can't feed your child, you're a terrible mother. Like what the fuck? Fed is best. Yeah. Breast bottle. Breast is lovely. Nasogastric, peg, whatever. We don't care. Just Fed is best. Fed is lovely. Stop stressing about it. But it's okay. then that's the stress that you then put on yourself. Um, yeah. So it's just a never-ending journey. Oh, really. it's so good being a girl. It is. Oh. All the, I bet all our male listeners, and I know we have quite a few, yeah. are probably like, fuck yeah, so glad I got a dick. Do you know, it, it, honestly, so I live with um, my partner, Zach, and we have a roommate, Reese, who is um, Zach's high school best mate. And uh, we have quite open conversations. I um, have. I, I've yeah. not known Reese for long. Yeah. And I, I have open conversations <laughs> Just, with him. You know, it's an open space. It's a safe space. We're all, we're all very loving. Um, not in a weird way. That makes it sound like it's a weird house to live in. Yeah, did and I just Sha- make that yeah, weird? you did make it weird. And Shah oh. talked about today. She was like, oh, we could both make heaps of money if we moved into yours and then rented mine out. And I was yeah. like, yeah, sounds good. And then I was like, oh, but I couldn't walk around naked. And then I said, oh, no, I probably could. That does make us sound all yeah, very weird. Look, we don't put keys in a bowl. It's not that kind of house. <laughs> anyway, I <laughs> can't even remember what I was saying. Something about race. Like about open the boys talking. Oh, yeah. No, I, I remember now. Whoa, that was. Oh, my God. I can. I've got a sniffle. You're giving me a disease. I've got <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. Paraflu. I'm fucking going to kill you. Stop. I can feel Just so it. you remember me when you're throat. in the sun. <laughs> oh. Love it. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Reese. Oh. oh, my God. Your brain. What was I saying? Reese. Open conversation. Open conversation. Talking. 
Oh, yeah. No, I remember now. Ooh, ADHD brain going round and round and round in circles. Um, that is such a lame point now. It's not even worth saying. I'm going to say it anyway. Here we go. Um, the boys say that it's really hard to be a girl. That was the point. Wow. wow. <laughs> you this made us goes... all sound so weird. Yeah, And then you I just know. dropped a boring us. Yeah, look. Sentence. It was anticlimactic to say the least. But, but um, you know. sorry about that, team. Look, sometimes they're not as good as they are when I think about them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you get duds, you know? Yeah. What, what can you do? What can you do? Also, if I don't have the heated blanket on me, I fidget a lot. Yeah. Look, yeah, look at me. I, her legs practically around her fucking head. Yeah, look. I'm low-key thinking about dinner. Oh, yeah, I'm, go- I'm hungry. We're going to get butter chicken. Mm, yum. Yum. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, this is a pretty heavy topic and my brain's kind of racing. Like I'm thinking about yeah. all these things. I'm like, fuck, so much to think about. I know. I think we're going to have to do another episode about I think it so. to I dive think into it I more. if I do decide to freeze thy eggs, I will take you all on the journey. Yeah, we have to chat about that for sure. Yeah. Because there's a lot more conversation about it. And it's also be interesting to see if we get any um, chronic illness sufferers who are guys, what they think about it. Yeah, so interesting. And I think we'll... I think after this episode is released, we'll ask you guys what your thoughts are on it too. Because I yeah. think it's a big decision and everyone probably has lots of thoughts about it. Yeah, I mean, and we haven't even touched on like um, religious elements to it no, as well. No, and even support. Like I said, it was very easy for mum to off the backhand and say, oh, we mm. could do this, no worries. But yeah. some people don't have someone that could step into that space. And to that's help a lot them. to ask someone to yeah, do. Yeah, and I would never ask anyone to do that it's a lot but people I'm, pay for that also yeah, yeah and like i'm so lucky but you know yes falling pregnant having a baby finding a partner all of that might be difficult for me but i know that i've got a really supportive mum there if yeah. it's something i do want yeah and i always think because and you can have them half the time yeah i I'll can be I'll a surrogate them. child yeah I'm, I'm an auntie i can do that yeah great I'm a vibe um but i think also like when there is a small part of my brain like right now i'm okay like with the idea that I don't have kids and, mm-hmm. you know, but everyone says that you get that clock just like ringing. Yeah. Just be like, you need to have a baby now. Yeah. Just in the back of your head. Yeah. And I haven't got that yet. And I, I'm not there yet. So I, I, right now I'm like, I don't need children. I'm happy with that decision. I'm not fighting the hormonal clock within what me. What about, this is big philosophical question. I don't think that's a word, but go on. Shut up. Um... <laughs> What about adoption? Like I know, like, you know, Zach, the world that we live in and bringing up children, I completely mm. get that. But mm. what if there's a child out there that needs a family? Um, yep, I hear your point. I'm picking up what you're putting down. However, I just think that selfishly, I've had to fight a lot in yeah. my life. I just want to cruise fair as much as I can. Very fair. And... Yeah. um look, I have a warped sense of everything and I don't feel like I need to impede that on a small child. Yeah. Yeah. Full I, time. Yeah. I completely agree with that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Point well played, <laughs> sister. You know, this is also just completely random, but just thinking about children, having children. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I would ever be able to have, this is so a little bit off topic, an epidural. Why? Because I have an extra vertebra. Yeah. So all my spinal nerves. I asked my chiropractor this. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't think you'd be able to have one. 
Oh, how dear. hectic is that? And because of my shitty pelvic floor and vaginismus and everything, mm. I don't know if I'd be able to deliver naturally. You'd have to go rooftop. I'd have to have, like, I'd be in so much pain because mm. your gal can't even get a bottom bottom up there. Oh, you know? yeah, right. So how are you going to get a fucking watermelon out? Nah, you know what I mean? That's out the rooftop for so sure. So I have to have a rooftop baby, but I mm. couldn't have... You can have a block. A block. You'd have to have a GA. So this is also something I've thought about. I'd potentially have to have a GA and then my chance of having significant postnatal depression yeah, you will haven't... skyrocket because yeah. I won't experience the birth of my own child. Whoa. Yeah. That's hectic. Because I, uh, yeah. Ooh. And, and I don't know if that's certain. I'd need to speak to an anaesthetist, but a few yeah. of the anaesthetists I've spoken to at work, obviously I work with them all the time and yeah. ask you, they've all been like, nah, not confident nah. to do that. So, yeah. Well, I don't even know if I'd be able to have one, even if I wanted one. Yeah. We'd both have to be knocked the fuck out. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Because I can't push them out. No. Because there's too much stress on my heart. It would give up. And then warfarin as well on top of it. I can't have warfarin because that's toxic. Yeah. Hectic. I've never thought of it like that. I know. Wow. This this episode really made my brain like pulsate. Oh, yeah. It's like I have a shot of caffeine. Yeah. But it hasn't gone to my mouth. But it's a bit mouth. of a depressing shot. Like yeah. I'm on the downer of it. Oh, like a Jaeger bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God. Mm. That's pretty heavy. We just did a real spin out then. Yeah. Sorry, What team. started that? I don't know. You just were talking about kids. And I asked you if you were going to adopt and then I was like, oh. Oh, uh, yeah, no, yeah. For me, adoption would be great because I wouldn't have to go through any of that. Yeah, that would be good. And you, do you know what? I do like the idea of helping a family and stuff, but again. But you do every day, doll. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. It's like a lot. It you know, a how lot. much of me do you need, world? Yeah. Like, yeah, come yeah. on. I'm a good gal. Doing good <laughs> things all the time. don't bleed me dry, you know? Yeah. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but anyway, we hope that we've covered some of the questions that you guys have had. Um, and if we want, if you want us to talk about it again, we will. Yeah. Happy I to. Thought, clearly. Thought- Sean and I, um, we're a bit more rogue each episode. And yes. like, we used to sit down and like do some like hardcore research. Yeah, like, like if you listen hours. to the first few eps, I'm like spitting facts, yep. blowing Sean's mind. Yep. Um, and we would kind of like write on a piece of paper, like intro, fun fact, follow up, blah, 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 yep, blah, blah. We'd color code it. Who yep. was going to say what? Uh, now we just go, actually, this is how it went. Sean was on her way to my house. She made me go. She made me fucking go and pick up things from JB Hi-Fi and I don't understand it. And I said to the man, I was like, I need this thing and I need these things. And he was like, oh, really? And I was like, yep. He's like, oh, we only have two left. Gets me this thing. I'm like, yeah, I think that's it. It was the picture that Sean sent me. Yeah, so I okay, was correct. I set you up to fail on that so one. So I FaceTime her and the guy was like, what's this for? And I was like, oh, it's not for me. It's for my girlfriend. I don't understand. And then I realized I just sound like a raging, les- dumb lesbian yeah. <laughs> that does not support her girlfriend at all. So I was like, okay. And then <sighs> Sean's on FaceTime and the man's there. It was a lot. And then Sean's like, that's not what I fucking want. I was like, that's the mother. We're having a domestic now. JB high five. I was like, that's the I'm at thing. work. I was like, that's the thing you sent me. She's like, no, it's not. And then she looked, she's like, oops, my apologies. Yes, it is. We don't want it. And I was no. like, oh, Anyway, I bought it. I bought it home. The correct one. The correct one. Driving home. And I was like, what are we even talking about today? And she was like, no, no. I'm like, oh, what flows on nicely? People want us to do family planning. Let's do it. That was the prep. Yeah, done. That was it. Sold. And then we just hit start. And, and I put the kettle shit. on. Made a tea. Not a cacao. Not a cacao. Absolutely not. Not. 
but, a filthy drink. I know. But anyway, for a couple of gals that hadn't, I actually quite enjoyed it because I didn't know what was going to come out of your mouth for once. It was oh. quite nice. Like I was, I was like, I was on the, the edge surprise, of my seat. Like, oh, what, what are you like, saying? What's going to come next? Almost like you were listening to us. Yeah. That's how our listeners feel every week. Wow. No wonder okay. you guys keep coming back. Yeah, shit. You're crazy. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. We're going to just jump to our quotes questions now. I think we've, quotes. Uh, I think we've asked each we've other asked enough a lot of questions, questions this yeah. week. So we're going to hop straight to the quotes. Sean from the car book. Car what book. have we got? <clears throat> if you can't change your fate, change your attitude. Love that. Very topical. Very topical. My quote for this week. So I found a really pretty book. I only bought it because it was pretty, but you know, for the podcast room. Um, And it's called Daily Mantras to Ignite Your Purpose. And so I didn't have a quote this week. And Sean was like, why don't we look in the book? So we flipped to the date, Mm. which is not the date you're all listening to. Because remember, (laughs) I'm sudden baking. Anyway, the quote for today is, when you can't find the sunshine, be the sunshine. Which is so cute. And then it has a little explanation, I which is even bit. cuter. There are days when the sun literally... Be sh- Wait, I fucked it. Oh, Start again. God. Soz. There are days we when... We fluffed the s- at the beginning and at the end. Well, It's a fluff you know, sandwich. It's raw. It's raw. It's uncut, unedited. Enjoy. One take. Yeah. One hit wonders. Okay. No, don't say that. We're no, not one hit we're wonders. We're multiple hits. Actually, six hits. Number <laughs> six. Okay. <laughs> There are days when the sun might literally be shining, but you feel like you're under a dark cloud or in a fog. These are the days that we must consciously do something that we know sparks joy in us. Be it listening to your favorite song, busting out some dance moves, curling up with your puppy or making a call to a good friend. Just find something that sparks joy until joy for real comes back. We all have these days and you're never alone. Your affirmation is that you spark joy in yourself and others. Ugh. So beautiful. It's nice. Such a beautiful quote. It's a cute little book. And if you need sunshine, just listen to us talk shit for an hour. <laughs> and the sunshine this- will rain down. I was going to say, is it sunshine? I don't know. I don't know. We've got some pretty shining moments in this episode. Yeah, we do. That's why in our little icon, it's a rainbow. Rainbow. always bring some... What's that song? The rainbow that comes after the storm or something? Oh. oh, I'm gonna fuck have to fun fuck, fuck, fuck follow up. Suck <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Oh my god, my nose is running. No. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Bye.